Welcome back to We Still Like Each Other, the podcast. I'm still Travis. And I'm Stephanie. And this is the podcast where we show that the honeymoon stage can last forever. Forever and ever. Still got it. Do we? Why we took a break? Why Why we took such a long break? I think maybe we hated each other. Ooh. What do you think the assumptions were when we took such a long break? Like if uh, you're on the outside as a listener and you're like, uh, this relationship podcast that we admire is suddenly like not doing the show. Trouble in paradise. Yeah. Or this shit is not all it's meant to be. <laughs> or, the podcast or it that is. looks to be, appears to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know how people be like, don't, don't be one of those people that's like, oh my God, they're couple goals because we never know what happens behind closed doors. I was more so referring to the podcast. You're talking about the relationship. What? Isn't it the same thing? Just because this takes a lot of work. So, you know. So you thought... Okay, what did you think? The Be assumption clear. is that doing this podcast isn't as fun as it appears. Oh. You're talking about... You need to be clear. That's something we've been struggling lately in our relationship. <laughs> as, as you can see, we're, we're leaving off or we're picking up right where we left off. How, how we start this, like, not on the same page at all. Our dynamic is off. We need to get back in this. We're rusty. And cut. Okay, now realistically, because no one's thinking about the logistics of creating a podcast. People listen to us for relationship advice, not how to make a podcast 101. Why did people think we probably There's took a There's a community break? out there. They're in my DMs. In your DMs, my <laughs> listeners. Anywho. See, we, we're rusty. We're right. not vibing. The waves are off. <laughs> so, yeah, I just assumed, you know, making an ass of myself, I guess, that... People were making assumptions that maybe there was issues between us. Okay. I, so that's what I thought. I never took it. I never thought that. I never had that fear. Yeah. I, I don't know. It wasn't a fear, but I just know for myself, kind of like, you know, there's these memes that go around on Instagram and TikTok about like when that couple that you haven't seen since high school deletes their po- their photos and you start investigating what happened. I felt like it gave that because it was sudden. We didn't announce it on the last episode we did. We kind of just decided right before the next episode was supposed to drop, like, we need a break. And it wasn't like, we'll be back next week. It was like, um, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe in the fall. And that was at the beginning of spring. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, I was like, I knowing people, they probably assuming something's wrong with us. And they were kind of right. I guess kind of. Technically, they they were right. I mean. It's not what it's not juicy, or I guess it depends on who you ask, but. No, because I don't think anything was wrong in terms of our romantic relationship. I don't think that anything. Well, I know nothing was wrong in terms of us being together. It wasn't in that sense that something was wrong, but something was wrong. Yes. How would you describe it? I would say that this podcast has been amazing because it's given me the ability to like unlock skills I never even thought I had Yeah. on the technical side and then on the personal side in, in terms of like my conversation skills. Like um, I've been able to open up to you in ways I never thought possible. Yeah. But with all that being said, as great as that sounds, there were a lot of other things that should be taking priority that were slacking or lacking. Yeah. Um, I 
I wanted to say this. I hadn't said these exact words to you, but I thought about it while we were planning the podcast. And I'm like, I'm going to finally say these words. Oh, fuck. I, you know, I love when you like spring things on me that not didn't. spring things on you. But I guess in a way, I was feeling jealous of the podcast. Oof. Yeah. Um, plenty of times when discussing my attraction to you or how did I know you were it? One of the sexiest things about you or one of the things I admired most about you was your work ethic. And I guess the error that I made is that I made the assumption that your work ethic would just like apply to every aspect of our lives. And that's not fair. You know, I'm, I'm reading this book about the master of self. I have it on here on the shelf. Um, it's part of, it's from the same author of The Four Agreements, which I've read before. And he talks about that, how like sometimes we see people in one light and then expect them to be that way throughout every part of their life. And if, as a teacher, like I 100% get it, right? Because it's like, as an educator, as a teacher of young children, People kind of are uncomfortable when they hear me cursing, when they hear me talking about sex, when they hear that I like to pole dance for fitness, you know. Um, so they see you in one aspect and don't kind of keep you in a box. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I was feeling jealous of this podcast because I was seeing that work ethic that I was attracted to apply to the podcast, which is great. But then there were other areas of our lives that I felt like you were lacking in terms of that, giving it that dedication, that commitment, the same way that you were to the podcast or the same way that you do for work. I 100% agree. Um, hearing that you were jealous is a bit of a shock. Yeah. Or even even using that word. Because it's, it's a word that makes it so that people could get it. Everyone understands Jealousy. and feels that. Like if I say when I felt jealous, everybody's like, mm, I know what that means. Usually we apply it to people, right? Like you're jealous of other people. But in this case, I was just jealous of the time, attention, and dedication you were giving to this podcast. That that Not that could have been applied somewhere else because it's not that I didn't want you to do it to the podcast, do it for the podcast, but. There was no balance. Yeah. I 100% agree. Mm -hmm. Um. It wasn't until we took the break that I started to see just how much we do mm -hmm. and how much we weren't doing due to, or at least I'll speak for myself, pouring that energy into this creation. Mm -hmm. And I felt fulfilled doing it. Yeah. But also once you sit back and realize, oh shit, all this energy, all these creative ideas that I'm not pouring into my, my children, mm -hmm. my wife, then you're like, I was fucking up. Um, yeah. And although, you know, we've taken this break and there's been a lot of still some bumps in the roads. And even as of recent, we're still like, we're not a hundred percent where we want to be. Mm -hmm. I feel like just being aware of it, but not only being aware of it, putting things into action. Right. Yeah. It's not, I think we've been saying this a lot lately as it's not about making time you can't make time out of thin air we all have we all have the same 24 hours, same 24 hours. it's how do you manage uh, manage time. that time we all we love schedules for work but we won't use them for our real lives mm -hmm. um yeah so just because we're back it doesn't mean the balance in our lives is 
100% all the time. But the podcast is something that we do enjoy, that we do value. So we're like, you know what? We're not going to keep putting it off until the right time, right? Kind of sound like those people like, I'm not going to get married until... Until it's perfect timing, or I'm not going to have a baby until it's perfect timing, or I'm not going to do xyz you don't want to start this entrepreneur venture until it's perfect timing and i i felt that if we did that we'd always be waiting and we never get back to this special project of ours um and we'd regret it yeah so although things aren't 100 percent perfect we're at least in a more aware space and ready to attack the podcast do what we love and enjoy and still you know keep that third eye open on everything else yeah I'm I'm excited. I think I believe in us. I believe in myself. Yeah. And um yeah, I think I think we got this. Yeah. And even even now, like right before we hit record, I was telling you like I don't want what we're about to do to take up our day because we still got a lot of things to do today mm-hmm. uh, surrounding our family, the most important yeah. thing. Um and then if this gets done great, but it shouldn't be the end all be all. Yeah. I want to share this kind of lesson that I've been telling myself, telling you about time and how, you know, we can create more hours in a day, but it's how we use it. When we think about the year and a half, we were doing the podcast. We did 83 episodes. Yeah. So that's at least 83 hours of sitting down and recording with a lot more, just sitting down and recording, let's say minimum 83 hours. Um, and then editing, creating clips, commenting on social medias, sharing. That's maybe three times the 83 hours just to sit and record. Mm -hmm. We didn't make that time. We didn't go to the magic time machine and say, I need this many hours for this passion project. We managed our time to make this thing work that was important to us. So then when we think about other things that we say are important to us, but we keep using that excuse like, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. I challenge you to look at what you are giving your time to. And I bet you you're giving your time to things that you may value less. So although this podcast is important to us, we love it, it's fun. There are things in our lives that we value more. Our kids, our health, our finances. And not that we value our finances more, but we live in a world that we need to make sure we're focused on it and paying attention to those things because we need finances to eat <laughs> and to yeah. keep a roof over our head. Um, so just take an audit, I guess, of what you spend your time on. And then you'll realize you can find the time for the say, things that you one really more, One more value. thing to that list, each other. Oh, yeah. Because it's easy to view this as bonding time. Yeah. And it is in a sense, but it's not... I don't know. It's not enough substance for me. Yeah. Because, you know, we're, in a, although we're in being authentic, we're still performing. Yeah. Not performing, but we're in front of an audience. But performing sounds, it doesn't have to have a negative, mm-hmm. doesn't have to have a negative meaning. I just think there's a little sprinkle of something there. We can't be 100% vulnerable in the moment yeah. sometimes. We have to hold back. Because we're protecting our relationship, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day. Um, yeah, I agree. I I think that's also something that's so important um, that we have to find the time for. In terms of finding the time, again, it's not creating it, but it's just 
readjusting where we're spending our time. For sure. <laughs> um, I guess before we go any further, mm-hmm. I did want to take a moment to thank everyone who's been a part of our Patreon community. Mm-hmm. It's been a hell of a journey, yeah. but I just want to thank everyone who has signed up and maybe at some point um, canceled their membership or people who have been with us from very mm-hmm. day one. It means a lot to us. Yeah, like even if you could only sign up for one month and then you cancel the next, even that, like we truly appreciate it. We don't get paid for this podcast. This is something we do as a labor of love. Um, And throughout this break, we have been meeting via Zoom about twice a month or so. And it's always great. Like all the stuff we're sharing about why we took the break, they already know. Um, So thank you. It's been fun. Yeah. And in the upcoming weeks, I don't know when, but we're going to announce some changes to Patreon. Just we have to be more realistic with what we can provide and we don't want to over promise and under deliver. Is that the same? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, So, yeah. Thank you. If you've ever even thought about signing up, I appreciate you. Definitely. Um, One thing that we do want to talk about. So we have some exciting news of us expecting another baby. If you follow us on social media, this is a flowy shirt. You know, you can't see the bump here, but I am 22 weeks pregnant. But before we talk about that, I did want to talk about something not as happy that happened to us back in October. So trigger warning, we're going to talk about pregnancy loss. Um, And it's something that we kind of held to ourselves for a while and we didn't mention it when it happened back in October we still filmed many weeks of episodes after that Um, but I think it's important to share now because we're pregnant again and also in connection to like how this podcast was so important to us that we didn't even take a break to like deal with that loss and we kind of just went full force back into podcast mode like nothing happened (laughs) so what do you want to say babe um yeah it's it's one of those things i never imagined happening to us yeah and you even said this and it's it's how i felt at the moment like even knowing how common it is Mm -hmm. for people or you know couples to experience this it still like hits you hard because you know i remember when you told me you know shout out to shout out to the fields Mm -hmm. you and tab wanted to you, you were like collaborating. We were pl- planning a surprise to surprise you. Cause, so basically, you and I knew that it could happen. We weren't being super safe. Um, having River like opened us up to like the possibility of wanting even more kids. Like it just felt right. I was home. You know, we unexpectedly, I left my job and became a full-time stay-at-home mom. And we were like, you know what? Like maybe we should just have another one. Bang it out. Literally. <laughs> But when I took the pregnancy test, I did it without you just because I really didn't think I was pregnant. Like, it was one of those, I'm going to do it real quick. Usually, like, if I felt like, oh, my God, I might be pregnant. Every other pregnancy test I ever took, you were there with me. Yeah. But you weren't. So I was like, oh, my God, maybe I could surprise him. You know how people, you see it on TikTok and Instagram. So I was trying to plan a way to surprise you that I was pregnant. It failed. (laughs) Yeah, I think... um... I picked up the package or something. Yeah, you kind of were like, what's this? And like, you opened it up. And I was 
Tab ordered it for me because I didn't want you to see it on our Amazon account. And then I think I was even more suspicious that, that I didn't see it on the Amazon account and it was an Amazon and box. it was an Amazon packaging. I don't know. Travis began this little paranoia in him. He's like, what, 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 what? There's a dick in this box. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I had to be like, all right, this is what happened. Um, so, yeah, I was ecstatic. Mm-hmm. We both were. Um, immediately, our brain just went to like, all right, we got to do this. How are we going to have, what's our living situation? We were like already just living as we had a third kid. Like, it was like, oh, we need a bigger car. I remember like having to research, all right, how are we going to get another car? And it's just like so many things. We told happening. our parents right away. We called our mom. So excited to tell our parents. Yeah. And I'll, I'll touch back on that. I'll get back to it. But um, we're just really excited. And... How I can't. How much time? It was like a week. It was so fast. And did you know you could speak to this? Like, what did you feel or what happened that made us alarmed? So I started spotting, which I never, which is normal in some pregnancies that go to full term. But I never experienced spotting in my previous pregnancies, and then the spotting kind of just progressed throughout the day. Um, and got heavier. So then we went to the emergency room and yeah. The emergency room was hell because it just took, I think we were there for 12 hours, 12 hours. And we went at like seven in the evening. So we were there till like seven in the morning. Yeah. So I based, I think they basically confirmed that the, there was no heartbeat. Well, it was low that they didn't think it would, um, survive. And then, you know, some other medical stuff that we had to deal with. Mm -hmm. And then, we went back home and I believe you passed mm-hmm. the, I don't know, the embryo, the embryo, <laughs> but like here at home. Yeah. At home. Yeah. Um. So then, you know, I remember watching you go through your emotions and, you know, I kind of base my emotions <laughs> off yours because, you know, I'm looking, I'm trying to feel you out, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, she's. You, you know, you're one of the strongest people I know. So when I, I'm looking for any type of, I guess I'll call it weakness, right? Like, <laughs> like is she emotional? Is this, yeah. is everything okay? And for, I got the feeling that everything was okay. And then it started not to be. Yeah. It was just the logical side of my brain was activated at the hospital, right? I know that miscarriages happen one in four pregnancies. There's, you know realistically what i think about the science of creating a baby like the perfect sperm has to meet the perfect egg at the perfect time to even fertilize and then they have to be compatible and healthy so like the logical part of my brain was like this is my body's way of of eliminating a baby that wouldn't have been healthy wouldn't have made it and it's a normal process and i'm not the first person in the world to go through this so i was very like Super logical. And I also was like, I have a nine-month-old son at home. Like, how blessed am I? I have a grown kid, Eli, nine years old, eight years old. And I'm like, I'm fine. So I was just convincing myself of, like, this is okay and I'm going to be okay. Um, I was also on no sleep. <laughs> like, it became 7 a.m. And then this is, like, a part of, like, how women, how families like how important a village is because you know we were lucky enough that your mom 
your moms were able to watch the boys while we were at the hospital. But we also were there 12 hours with no sleep. And then we came home at 8 a.m. and they left. And we we had to parent that mm-hmm. whole day without processing emotionally like what happened with the eight-year-old and a nine-month-old. Like nothing. We were just back in like business as usual. And I think my survival mode was to keep telling myself that I'm okay. Like, this is fine. We'll get sleep when we can. I think we took naps and shifts that day or something. And in the moment, in us living through it and having to deal with those emotions, it felt fine. We had to convince ourselves that it's fine. But in hindsight, like, that shit is not okay. Like, we should have had the opportunity to, like, rest and grieve and really discuss what was happening without having to be in, like, parenting survival. And I think I I let that survival mode kind of go on too long to like get to the podcast to just business as usual, and then it, when it finally all hit, it was like rough. No, and watching it hit you, it hit me. Yeah, and it's not to say I'm not feeling those things, and it's not to say that I just y'all know me, <laughs> y'all, see, <laughs> y'all see me on this journey. Like I can I can pack it in, right? Yeah. But seeing my seeing my wife, seeing my partner, seeing someone who, you know, is one of the strongest people I know kind of let it out. It mm-hmm. allowed me to let it out. Um, it's a lot to process. Oh, I'm about to be a father of three and all these things, all these big changes that are going to happen. And like that, we're back to what we know as our everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was it was rough. Um, and then, you know, there was something. I don't know if, if you want to speak to it, but you kind of started playing out how this could have happened. Mm-hmm. And that that was the roughest part because it's like, although I have all the logistics in my head of like why miscarriages probably happened, right? I found myself still trying to find a way to blame myself for it. And then it was like mental gymnastics because I'm like, I know it's not my fault, but we did go to Florida. We were on the airplane I know it's not my fault, but we were on roller coasters at Universal Studios. I know it's not my fault, but we ate that bad Thai food that gave us food poisoning. I know it's not my fault, but... And I kept going back and forth from being logical to being, like, emotional and, like, trying to find a way to make it my fault for the loss. And it's all things that happen at home and no one sees. And, like, I hate that whole, like, persona of like she's you know how you even you saying it like you're so strong and that shit's weird also trying to be that strong person and i feel like my mom was always that strong person like Mm. things will happen and she kind of just went back to work back to life like that shit happens no one's gonna save you even when we had her on the pod she talks about losing her parents and it's just like gotta get back to it Mm -hmm. and it's just seeing such a strong woman in my life always deal with things that way. But then I'm in this middle ground where I, I guess I was raised by a woman like that. And a lot of me is that I'm also like healing and trying to like face my emotions and deal with them so that they don't manifest in like anger and like other negative ways, you know? So it, it I was just in this weird teeter totter place of like, Dealing with this emotionally, but also not blaming myself. What do you think the turning point was? Um, 
Or is it just time? I don't think they're honestly speaking of that in terms of where the turning point is. I think there isn't there hasn't been a full like turning point where I'm like, oh, no, this was fine and everything's logical and I'm okay. I just think that you kind of keep living and you forget about it and then other things happen. Um, I'm pregnant right now, right? And right before, when I found that I was pregnant, I already had a trip planned to Puerto Rico. So I was already connecting like, oh my God, my last pregnancy, I went on a trip to Florida. Should I cancel? Am I a bad person if I still get on this airplane? Even though I know, like, it doesn't matter if I got on a plane or not. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it still kind of fucked with me. Um, Just trying to have fun and do things. Um, I was working out heavy right before finding out I was pregnant. Then I went to Puerto Rico and I didn't work out. And I was saying, oh, I just need to get back in the groove after my trip. But I was scared. I was like, what if I push myself too much? Like, maybe I need to take a break. And I just started working out again. And I feel like it's because I can actually feel her every day. So that's like confirmation daily. Like, she's okay. Yeah. You know, before I started to feel her, I will always be like, oh, I kind of wish I had a heart rate monitor. Mm. Or like, is everything okay? Like, I don't know. And I feel like the fear of having another loss prevented me from working out. Yeah. And also, you know, with us moving to Jersey, the medical system is a lot different than it is back in New York City. Mm-hmm. So in New York, every time we went to an appointment, we were seeing River. We were, yeah. there was, you know, the, the technology is just a lot different and the hospital we were in is just like renowned across the country to have great maternal fetal medicine i think last time we went to our doctor it was Mm -hmm. just like we we heard the heartbeat through like a little old school machine like Like something could get off amazon (laughs) (laughs) so it's a great the doctors are great they're really nice i like but it's just technology wise it's not up to par to the hospital we're used to exactly so i think that's also something that's on you know in the back of your mind and when you saw rivers, like all right, confirmation, everything's okay. Mm-hmm. They're saying, and oh. I also hadn't dealt with loss previously to previous to that. So. Exactly. Um, you know, I kind of zoomed past a point of we got excited and we wanted to tell our parents. Mm-hmm. And I am not a superstitious person, right? <laughs> Y'all know me; I'm very logical. This is the Earth is right. not flat. It's round. <laughs> you scared me for a second. <laughs> Um, but we told our parents and I'm like, fuck, we should have waited because now my brain starts going. We told people too early. We had a miscarriage. It probably telephone game. Someone with negative energy found out and (laughs) fuck, you know, that's where my brain went. Yeah. Cause it's like that superstitious stuff. I'm not saying one of my parents, I'm just saying the telephone word got around that Uh we were pregnant and, um, you just, yeah, I just started going to but those. But that's also part of, like, trying to find someone to blame. Rather than it just was accepting just... accepting that it's just something that happens, unfortunately. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, we're... But this time, we didn't tell everybody right away. No. Mm-mm. We didn't. We kept it real close. Like We didn't tell it. I mean, I you... think, and it's not, for me, it wasn't, like, the superstitious part. It was just, it's harder to deal with the loss when you have to be like, you have to now tell other people that you already told you were pregnant. Now you have to tell them, oh, actually, I'm not. 
So that's why I kept it close. Yeah, like, like as excited as I was to like tell my dad and mom, mm-hmm. then on the flip side, I have to call and then say, oh, that that's all gone. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I think even my father was like, nah, you're joking. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that sucked. Yeah. That sucked. It, it like knocked the wind out of me. Um, but, <laughs> you know. We're pregnant. We're pregnant again. <laughs> months later. And it's um it was a surprise but also not a surprise Mm -hmm. it's you know both these last two pregnancies weren't like river where we know the time date yeah sexual position (laughs) (laughs) this is like it could have been it could have been this day or that day like we weren't really as like you know we weren't super careful we were enjoying making love (laughs) (laughs) and we were like whatever happens happens because we knew we had room in our heart yeah to have another baby if it happened so and it had, happened we took you had like a hundred pack of those 99 cent pregnancy <laughs> tests right from like trader yeah. joe's or something no <laughs> am i wrong it's not trader it's from target target so i bought like a pack that had like 50 of the little pregnancy tests the same ones they use at the doctor's office it's like the little strip ones because the those other fancy ones that come in the plastic are like $30 a piece. Ain't nobody got time for that when you're like having unprotected sex all the time and you don't know when you're going to get pregnant. So I got that and I feel like the first time I opened it, I was pregnant. <laughs> so I remember it was, it was it was very faint. Yeah, it was like a faint line. She's like, you think? She's like, nah, this is a be. And we must have taken like 20 of them. Yeah. And every time it got darker and darker and darker. I was like, all right, I think I should make it a point. And I have a friend who put me on to those pregnancy tests. And I was like, it's faint. They were like, there's a line there. They're more, you know, familiar with those kinds of tests. So I was like, holy shit, I can't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I couldn't believe it either. And then, yeah, Puerto Rico, all this stuff. And this pregnancy has affected me totally different than River. Um, I feel like with River, my sex drive was up like crazy. This time is like down. What? <laughs> Travis is looking at me like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> address the elephant in the but room. But you know what? Yes, it could be like hormonal. Every pregnancy is different. But it's also our lifestyle is very different. We were living in the Bronx. You didn't have to wake up at 4 a.m. for work. You didn't get home. You got home by 4.30. You got off at 4. So we were less exhausted. I feel like part of the reason... My sex drive has been lower this time. Isn't solely the pregnancy. It's also like our lifestyle, our circumstances have just changed. So yeah, they're in my defense. There are more nights than not where I'm literally exhausted. Like I'm praying she doesn't want to do anything, <laughs> and that's crazy for me to say. Yeah. But like, and of course I'll still do it. Yeah. But you'd be like, all right. <laughs> but there's that part of me that's like, I hope I don't have to muster up this energy right now. <laughs> So, All right, we're going to talk more about that later. But um, <laughs> yeah, then, you know, we're not big on like gender reveals because, you know, we're very open, modern people and we know that we're going to love our kids, whatever gender expression they decide. But it's still fun to like know. So we did like a little private, you know, reveal. And... It's on our social media. That's us sitting mm-hmm. outside. Yeah. And right before we read the results, Steph was like, listen. I know you want a healthy baby. Because you know how people don't want to admit like what they want. But if you're being honest, what do you want? And I'm like, a girl. I was like, ooh. 
Ooh, that's fucked up. And, what if it's a boy? No, I'm kidding. I didn't say that. <laughs> and Steph has always been pretty open about feeling like she's just going to be a, a boy mom. Yeah. Uh, I, I really didn't see it. And we read the results and you saw our reaction. That was raw, mm-hmm. honest. And it was just like a big shock and like, oh shit, this is happening. Yeah, girl. Um, And your mom had three boys. Your brother had two biological boys. So it's like the pressure for girls is like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like it's a nice little, you know, pin in our family. Yeah, we're done after this. (laughs) We're done after this. Um, More on that later. Yeah. And, you know, we when the reaction video of us calling people with the girl dad, that's the first time we told everyone. Mm -hmm. First time we told Eli because we we knew if we told Eli, it wouldn't take long before he just spewed Told everybody, yeah. Um, I did have, like... A close friend who knew from the beginning. And then... Oh, you had a few, like maybe two or three because you hung out with them and you didn't want it to be weird. Yeah, so then Travis and I had actually decided to stop drinking. Well, I decided first, before I knew I was pregnant, before even becoming pregnant, I was like, I'm going to take a break from alcohol. And then I had made plans to hang out with my friends. But I'm like, I usually drink with these friends. And if I just tell them I quit... Even though it was honest, their first question would be like, are you pregnant? Mm -hmm. And then I didn't want to lie to my friends. So I told them pretty early. And then as I started to see some of my other close friends when I was a little further along, I told them um, as well right before that. And then we waited until we got that first trimester screening, the blood work, which, you know, also tells us the gender. But that's not what the screening is for only. It's just, you know. You luckily get that result as well. (laughs) Then we told our parents and everybody else. Yeah, that was like honest reactions. Like my brother, my mom. And I I cut down the video a lot so you didn't get to see. But it it was nice to tell everyone that way. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we controlled it. It felt felt like it was very in our hands. Yeah. So now we're having a baby girl. Mm -hmm. And do you want to tell the world baby girl's name? Tell them their her name. First, first. first, uh, something popped in my head. I'm going to build the suspense on the name. But something popped in my head about you saying that I was kind of content with being a boy mom. Um, So I wanted to bring this up because it's something that culturally is so normal to talk about when you're expecting a girl. People tell women like, oh, be ready. It's your payback. Or she's going to be sassy or get ready, or they even put these, they impose these beliefs that, like, since we have two boys, they're going to want to control her and keep her home and keep her locked in. And it's just like, can we stop that shit as a society? Can we stop projecting our fears and, like, these ideas, ancient ideas on our kids and our families? Because... Especially knowing us, like we're not raising our boys to think that they can control and keep their sisters locked at home. Like I've, I've spoken about this a few times, but I'll just you know regurgitate it. I a lot of my personality in my adulthood, I question: Is this who I am, or <laughs> is this who I told who I was told I am? Right? Yep. Because you you hear a story over and over. Oh, Travis is this way. Travis did this. Travis. Uh, used to run down this block naked. That's like a story his family always says Which every time. I'm sure is true, right? 
but I'm not a streaker yeah. in my adult life. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but on a more serious note, like, oh, Travis spent, he likes to be by himself. Mm-hmm. He could, such a good kid. And we know now such that, such a good kid. Now that we get older, the kid that's labeled good is the one that basically you didn't have to do anything it's for. more independent. So it makes this, you know, easier to raise, I guess. So, like, no kid is bad. With but. that being said, no, our boys will not be bossing around our girl. <laughs> Probably the opposite. <laughs> and the reason I, you, that's perfect that you even brought that up about is this who I am? So, was I really like internalized the idea that I can be just a boy mom? Or did I convince myself of that because everyone talks about the payback I'm going to get since I was such a bad girl? Or did I convince myself that I'm going to be a boy mom because I don't want to deal with attitudes and sassiness? Like, do I truly dis- decided that I, I don't want to raise a woman because of that? Or did I convince myself of that because of all the messages we get from society? Which I think leads to like, you know, in our culture, there's also this like competition between mothers and daughters, which mm-hmm. is so unhealthy. But it's like from the minute you find out you're pregnant with a girl, there's so many messages being thrown at you that make it feel like you're going to be competing with your daughter, which is so fucking toxic. Like, Or even the whole notion of, oh, daddy's girl, right? Who the fuck knows if she's going <laughs> to like me or if she's going to be attached to me? Like, yep. we literally project these things. Yep. Like, River loves on me just as much as he loves on Steph and probably more Steph because it makes sense. She's home, mm-hmm. right? So now you're telling me that even though I'm home with my daughter... 24 7 travis literally has to leave the house for 12 hours a day four days a week she's just gonna be a daddy's girl just because you know so it, it fuels this weird like toxic relationship between mothers and daughters that i'm trying to break um so yeah and and i want my daughter to feel like empowered and love her brothers and not fear them or feel like she has to hide things from her brothers we're doing shit differently. Um, there's also <laughs> people say that when you're pregnant with a girl, she takes your beauty. Like, how toxic is that? I've heard that's from. You know, but maybe even if a mom is not consciously, you know, hating her daughter for it, it's probably unconsciously planting seeds that, like, my daughter stole my beauty. Let's stop that shit. Stop repeating these old ass sayings that our parents, grandparents said. Like, we're not doing that shit over here. And I'm not just saying this because we live together and mm-hmm. I see you all the time. You literally look the same with, <laughs> with a belly. Thank you. Someone we know and love has told me my face looks round twice. I'm not going to put them on blast on this podcast, but. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Anywho. Um, so yeah, we're gonna tell her her name. I'm gonna talk shit about names too after this. But yeah, what's yeah, her so, name, babe? So her first name is Santi. Yes. And her middle name is Jade. Yes. So her first name is Santi, spelled S-A-N-T-I. And the shit I was gonna talk about names. First of all, where we got the name from? It's not some deep meaning. It's not some like, oh my god, it means X, Y, and Z. Because when people name their daughters Madison or their sons kevin no one's like what does it mean (laughs) but the minute it's like a different name people put this pressure on you to have like this story it's a name that we like 
So the first time I heard the name Santi was on the show The Circle. Um, and I really liked it. I'm like, it's so different. It's like a feminine version of Santiago, which is also such a strong, masculine, beautiful name that even if you're not of Latin descent, it's a name that I've heard a lot, Santiago, but it's just Santi. And I was like, and it starts with the S. <laughs> so if I ever have a daughter, even though society told me I don't want a daughter, I really like the name Santi. And then I forgot about it. Totally forgot about the name Santi. We were thinking of names. We wanted a unisex name or even a masculine name. We didn't want anything super girly. Um, and we couldn't agree on a name. We even had some other names that we were pretty close to choosing. Yeah. And um, I remember we even put them up on a poll on our close friends. Yeah. And a few of you all voted on which so you the liked. Other, the top two names before we picked Santi were Quinn and Nico. But I like Nico more. And I like Quinn and more. And you like Quinn more. So when we couldn't agree, we're like, all right, we that, just... So that's not the name. If we can't agree, like when we found River, we both were like, hmm, let's keep saying it. That sounds like it's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just couldn't agree. And then we made the mistake of like kind of telling people what we were thinking, which I hate doing. Like when we decided Santi was her name, we just said, this is her name. We're not asking you for your opinion. Like this is her name. We mentioned like the name Nico and I think your mom was like, that sounds like Rico. <laughs> and then I think I told my sister and she was like, that reminds me of Mimi's sex tape with some guy. I'm like, who the hell is Mimi? I don't even know. But apparently she had a sex tape with some guy named Nico. I know who it is, but why? Like, okay, I want you to, <laughs> I want you to take a second here, right? Now you're telling your loved one a name. You're thinking about naming your unborn child, right? <laughs> A baby, right? <laughs> this is a baby. Eventually, it's going to come out. It's a baby right now, right? Mm-hmm. And your first thought is, that reminds me of this sex tape I saw. <laughs> Do you see how fucked up that you is? You know what? It's honest. I- I'm not even but, judging that that's the thing. But I <laughs> I feel like... I didn't even know this. <laughs> yeah, because I've just been trying to keep the peace in my brain. But... Yeah. It-, it turned me off. Both of those comments made me no longer like the name Nico. So I don't want people to do that with Santi because that's her name. And it's not Santi. It's pronounced like with a Spanish accent. So it's Santi. And yeah, that's her name. I love the name. Um, Yeah, that's it. Period. (laughs) Her middle name is Jade. I'll talk about how I got that name. You just kind of texted me. Because it was random. You just texted me one day and said, Santi Jade Whiteman. I was like, okay, that sounds nice. (laughs) So middle names aren't as widely used. But it just popped, pop, literally, I was putting on jade earrings. And, you know, jade is a precious stone. It's really popular, I believe, in Asian cultures. I think specifically Chinese, but I could be wrong. Um, so growing up in New York City, like, I saw a lot of jade jewelry, like, in different little places. And my mom's favorite color was always green. I kind of started to gravitate towards green in early adulthood. Like, I think in college... Um, my best friend Ashley, green is her favorite color. So I started to just really gravitate to the color green. And I'm like, Jade is a pretty girl's name. It's green. It represents my mom. Eli's name is for my mom as well. So I was like, that could be her name. And it just flowed. It sound nice. And that's it. It's not some deep meaning. It's not this name. It's just a name that we like. Let us live. I realize I did a little green accent. I know. I peeped. I peeped. So he was like, you like the green? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so that's her name. Um, so how was our summer? 
our summer. Yeah, this episode is a lot of recap because like we haven't seen y'all in like several months. Summer was good. Um, it rained a lot this summer, especially on weekends. Um, I'm having FOMO because I didn't go to the New Jersey beaches that I really like. Um, but overall it was good. Getting ready for homeschooling. I had my trip to Puerto Rico for my birthday. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, the summer flew. Um, so fast. I don't know how we managed not to have one single beach day as a family. Obviously, you I like lived at the beach last year. It's weird. I, we talk. We have those um, conversations about making finding time. Well, just being intentional with being that intentional. time, and it just flew. We literally didn't make make it a priority, mm-hmm. um, and it was a little sad because like we're at that point of no return, mm-hmm. or it kept getting closer and closer to that point of no return. Like the summer's over, you're not going to have a ninety plus degree day again. Mm-hmm and not a single beach day. And I was very curious to see how River was going to react this year because last year was kind of just laid on his back, on his stomach. Yeah, he wasn't walking yet. So that would have been fun, and we didn't make it a priority. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, the summer flew. It flew by so quick. And I'm homeschooling now. A lot of people have been asking, so I feel like I should take a couple minutes to talk about why I'm homeschooling and talk my shit about that too. I don't know. I didn't think this episode I was going to be talking shit about people, but (laughs) (laughs) so I'm homeschooling Eli. And of course, a lot of people are like, why? Like, what the hell? It's not the norm in our culture, right? Like school is just one of those things that you do like dentist appointments and (laughs) annual checkups, which a lot of us don't. I was about to say something. (laughs) But you know, it's just one of those things that it's like, you just do like, what do you mean? You're going to school, like homeschool a kid. And then when we do hear of homeschooling, it's usually like in that show, like 19 kids accounting. And it's like super religious people who like, don't want their kids in public school because, Oh my God, they might be gay or see black people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) See black people. (laughs) So it's like, we don't have a cultural reference of homeschooling that feels relatable. So it always feels weird. So like I get people's like confusion, but there's also the other hand of people like projecting their fears on me, which I'll get to, but I'm homeschooling him because one, you know, we live in a time where it's not very likely that a parent is able to be home. So I know that I'm privileged in the sense that I even have the option so that's one, because I don't want to make it seem like it's the best choice and the only choice, because I know that that's not true. Um, I do still have faith in the public school system. I do still feel that parents could be working and raise um, emotionally intelligent children. You know, that's not me. I'm not here trying to convince you that you have to homeschool your kid. It was the right choice for us. Secondly, Eli in kindergarten, first grade was always like an advance. Like he learned how to read super early. Like he kind of just picked it up easily. Um, and he was one of those kids that kind of was like easy to let fall off track because you're like, he's fine. But he was always very hyperactive. He had a lot of energy. So I would get complaints about his behavior, never academics. Then COVID happened. Mm. COVID happened, and although Eli was home, he kept up with his learning, his reading. Everything was up to date. He didn't regress, thankfully. 
but he wasn't being pushed. He he wasn't being pushed. He didn't regress. He went into back into school on target, if anything, still advanced. But then a lot of kids that came back were severely behind. Mm. So the gap between him and his peers became even wider. And I think it made it even easier for him to be ignored. So I feel like especially third grade, he didn't really advance much. He went from being a little advanced to being maybe just approaching grade level, which which is fine. But it's not the norm for him. And I remember even meeting with teachers and and I get it, but it's not a lot of what they were focusing on is just like catching the kids up. Right. Mm hmm. Whereas Eli didn't need catching up. He need to be pushed. Pushed, hard. Yeah. Um, so, of course, if he's surrounded by a bunch of kids who are just catching up, eventually they're all going to be on the same level. Yeah. And he also I also felt like in talking to his teachers and even reading his report cards all last year, they were very generic. Like the only thing that was very customized to Eli always fell on behavior. But no, there was even a report card where they didn't have a reading level on it. Just wasn't there. It was blank. Um, And it felt like they didn't know him as a learner, but just managing behavior, which, again, I'm a public school teacher. I understand that's a big part of it. Right. Managing 30 plus kids in a room takes a certain talent and it's not for everybody. You could be the smartest person in the world, know everything about education and how to teach. If you have no classroom management, you're not going to be successful. So I get it. But you also have to teach. And I felt like that wasn't anything that his teachers like knew much about. Um, I remember asking for a sample of his writing. And I was a fourth grade teacher right before becoming a stay-at-home mom. And he was in third grade. And I'm like, he's not nowhere near where I expected my fourth graders to be. He was severely behind in his writing skills and it wasn't being spoken about. I get called if it's a behavior issue, if it's a he can't sit, you know, still. sit still or he calls out. But no one's saying like his writing is severely behind. Yeah. I give them some grace mm-hmm. because this is like uncharted territory, right? Post-COVID times. Post-COVID. Yeah. So I give them grace because who could have even imagined if someone told you this in 2019 what the world was going to look like mm-hmm. the following year you would have laughed in their face yeah yeah so i get it but mm-hmm. we're here now and now we need to adjust and some kids are adjusting better than others mm-hmm. right i think the fact that we're given this opportunity where you're home yeah we it's kind of like why not yeah who better than an actual teacher, yeah. you have your master's, you were a fourth grade teacher prior mm-hmm. to this, to, you know, pour into our children. Yeah. I mean, right now it's only Eli, but no, it's not only Eli. River gets a lot of resources from you. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't spoken about that yet, but. Yeah. But another reason, not only were the kids on different ends of, there were some who were advanced and some who were severely behind, in terms of academics, but also socially and emotionally. Some of these kids who were home for a year and a half, two years, are grown as hell. They were put in situations probably that forced them to grow up quickly. You know, their parents weren't home. Maybe their parents had to work and they were literally raising themselves. We don't know. 
And then there were some kids who were, you know, at their age. And then some kids who probably were babied even more. Their parents did all their work for them or, you know, they were handheld even more. A lot of kids only get that sense of independence at school, depending on how they're raised. So the gaps weren't just in academics. It was also social and emotionally. And Eli dealt with bullying. He dealt with like, like he got in trouble for like, hitting a child which obviously we don't tolerate was unacceptable but what triggered him to do it was like grown language you know like a uh, basically another student told his best friend that's why your father left you like why are third graders insulting each other in this way which shows me that that child was probably in a situation where she kind of matured a lot faster than <laughs> Other kids, right? And then Eli didn't know how to deal with it and he hit her, which is, you know, inappropriate. So clearly they were all dealing with these social emotional things that were different. Eli painted his nails and he went to school and was being called gay and all this stuff. And then it's like, I got called because of that situation, but they never mentioned that he was being called gay. So it's like they left out that part when communicating the situation. And it's like, why would you leave that out? You know, I feel like all these show are just huge examples of them not having the tools needed to educate all types of children. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They know how to educate the ones who fall in line. Mm -hmm. But the minute you're outside that box, then now you're a problem child. Mm -hmm. And I just think we both saw that it was going down a road that eventually it was just going to be too much to try and like fix Mm-hmm. and and they also use like threatening behavior like the time eli did hit this student it was the first time i ever heard from this principal it was a new principal and in that first conversation he was very like well this is what happened we don't tolerate it and i could suspend him but i won't no type of like let's talk about the situation i heard about the that's why your father left you through eli why isn't that part of the conversation when it's brought up Although hitting each other is horrible and we need to adjust it, that type of language being used to hurt each other's feeling is a big red flag. And we're making it seem like it ain't a big deal. Yeah. So it was a lot of things that just led me to be like, you know what? I need to try homeschooling. Um, yeah. With that, it's just also trying it, right? It's not that it's not like we took him out of school and that's it. He and we're like, the school system sucks. Everything sucks. We're done. No, if yeah. we do this this year and I'm like, you know what? I couldn't do it. It wasn't what we thought it could be. I know myself and I'm open. I'm not going to force myself to homeschool forever just to not appear like I failed. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be like, you know what? It is what it is. You're going back to school. Yeah. It's been what? Two weeks now? Two. Yeah. It's Cause we started like right after Labor Day. <laughs> and I feel like it hasn't been perfect, mm-hmm. but I'm seeing like, I'm seeing what it could be. Yeah. And I feel really good about it. Yeah. I've been struggling because as a public school teacher, I know how like once September comes, you kind of hit the ground running and then there's so many moving parts. Right. So like, especially in my case, I did reading, writing and math, but my kids had other teachers for science, social studies, art, gym. I'm kind of doing everything. So logically, 
the first couple of weeks, everything hasn't hit the ground running. But I have that like guilt, like, oh, my God, he's falling behind. But it's like, no. Part of homeschool is that it's flexible, is that if I need to take a Saturday morning to cover something that we fell behind on, I can do that. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to work around our schedule, our life. It isn't like we, we don't have to fit into homeschool. Homeschool has to fit with us. Exactly. Yeah, I'm here for it. And I'll keep defending it all day. Because every time I tell someone, it's like, why? Why? Yeah, projecting. <laughs> I, <laughs> I got to say this because it's funny. I told someone, I'm not going to be too specific. I told someone we were homeschooling and their first response was, because of the migrants? <laughs> and it caught me by surprise. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> if you don't know, in New York City, there's a bunch of um, migrants being forced into the city from other states and whatever. But the fact that that was their first reaction, I was like, what the fuck? And we're not even in New York City public school systems. That's another thing. A lot of people ask, like, what did you have to do? I'm not the person to ask. I looked up the laws in New Jersey and what I had to do in New Jersey, and I'm following that. You have to look at whatever state you are in and what that means, what that entails, what that requires. Especially, I know we have a lot of listeners in New York. The laws are totally different, even though we're like neighbors. So look at your state if it's something you're considering. Yeah. Yeah. Another strange, being a, a public school teacher, being a stay-at-home mom, being a homeschool mom, and living within all those spaces, like the projections we hear are c- weird, right? Because it's like people think like, you're going to do it with all three kids? But no one found it weird that I had to teach 30 kids in a classroom, right? No one found that weird. Or people are like, are you going to be able to like educationally all this stuff? We had school year as a teacher is 180 days. If you don't teach these things within these days. Good luck. Good luck. And then what happens when kids are absent? Several days at a time. And it's like they expect me to catch those kids up but still keep going with the other kids. No one's like, oh, my God, the public school system. Are y'all okay? I need to. No, you expect me to do my job. But my own children is like, it's impossible. I'm not going to be able to do it. Yeah. Like I said earlier, I give those people grace because this is what we know is the norm, right? Yeah, this is how we're and pro- I get it, but programmed. I also feel like we need to start moving into a place where we stop projecting our fears onto other people. It's natural. I and feel- it's, but there's, no, it's not natural. It needs to stop being natural. We need to undo that shit because it's different. Like, if we open the floor for that type of conversation, mm-hmm. I give you so. it makes sense, right? It's like, un- um, unwanted advice yeah. or unwanted questions. like, And it depends on the relationship, right? You and I, when we first started talking about homeschool, we asked each other all these questions about curriculum and do we feel like it's enough? Are we going to be overwhelmed? Because we have that relationship and we have close relationship with other friends and family as well, where it feels like an appropriate time to ask a certain question. But then there's a lot of times when it's like, why are you worried about that? Or you're not worried about other things in my life. You're not asking me. Yeah other things why are you now projecting this fear onto me um what was i gonna say a lot of people worry about socialization which i get right because you would assume that he's stuck here and i know we opened the floor for questions and we had our interactive recap and i love that question and i opened the floor for it it was like a, a place where questions were invited you know but i don't have to defend myself 
ever. But Eli is in two extracurriculars. He's outside of the house with other kids five days a week. And then we assume that school socialization is just the norm. Or it's better. That it's better. Like when we talk about, oh, that's just how boys are. That's how kids are. And we expect like our kids are supposed to just deal with bullies. No, the fuck not. Not my kid. No. I don't need him to be like, like, for example, when he painted his nails, I could have easily said, well, no, we're not going to paint it because at school you're going to get bullied. No, that's not what I want. Instead, I want him to be able to express himself however the fuck he wants and that your kid isn't going to be a bully. Why isn't that the norm? It's like I'm the bad one for allowing him to paint his nails versus like, why is your kid a bully? You know what I mean? No. Um, we could go on to a whole episode about that. We could do go <laughs> on forever and ever. But yeah, stop projecting your fears on me. <laughs> that was my last bit of talking shit. <laughs> T- t-shirts coming soon. Uh, so with all that being said, how are we now? Yeah, I think we kind of touched on how we're now. We're not perfect, but we're ready to like just attack it all um i think something we're gonna do moving forward with the podcast is kind of come back in chunks or like in series and segments versus like it's just a uh, expect 52 episodes a year especially having a baby in january i think we're gonna plan an extended break around that time we're gonna honor ourselves um and take breaks when we need it, like when we should have been grieving our loss in October. Um, whenever we just feel like, okay, we need to readjust and focus on our priorities, which will always be our family, um, we'll do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling really good about this time around. And, you know, I'm not perfect, but I, I know what my intentions are. And my intentions are to have fun with this, but don't make it become like the end all be all. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we do have a topic plan. I know it's been all just catching up on us. It's like all the gossip on our lives. And maybe I'm a little hormonal and bitchy on my delivery <laughs> on how people have been coming at me. But I just got to I had to let it off my chest. Shake it up. Shake it up. <sighs> all right. <laughs> um, so this topic I wanted to bring up because it's kind of applying to our lives a little bit. So I've been following this page on Instagram called Kama Lab. Um, And, you know, it's about sex. And, you know, our algorithm was like, y'all going to like this. That's how it (laughs) popped. It literally just popped up on IG. And I was like, yep, I do like this page. So I went on their website just to get a little bit about them. It says, Kama is an app whose mission is to transform how we experience pleasure and its role in our well-being. Which I really like because it's like sometimes we see pleasure as like this um bad thing or like taboo thing that has to be kept in this dark okay i was gonna say we see it as a bad thing like a taboo like kind of like but it's part if you see it as part of our well-being like going to the dentist and the doctor even though we don't go (laughs) but we get that nut off (laughs) (laughs) you know it just helps you see sex in a better light um, it also says, comma, intends to help people of all ages, genders, sexualities make sexual satisfaction a part of their everyday lives. So satisfaction being the key word there by connecting their minds, body and heart, um, which I also love because sometimes we think of sex as just that the and means to an end like penetration. Right. But it's 
is mental it's spiritual it's it's deeper than just the nut off like you said (laughs) (laughs) so while we were on our break i had saved the post that they created about couples that schedule sex and at the time i was like what the fuck people schedule sex and it made me think of remember that show we watched with Kerry Washington and Reese Witherspoon, Little Fires Everywhere. Yes. So Reese Witherspoon's character was like a type A personality mom. Like she had all these things scheduled for their kids. There was like this beautiful calendar. She also scheduled sex. Like it was like Wednesday night. I remember she would have a glass of wine and like her husband knew that on Wednesdays they'd have sex. So at the time when I saw this post, I instantly thought of that. And that shit was toxic and weird and like... It se- she was like having her sex with her husband out of obligation and not like this connection to her own sexuality, which I found weird. So when I initially saved this post, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. But it says that they surveyed couples and 98 percent of couples who feel they are sexually satisfied said that they schedule sex. So there has to be something to it in a way that is healthy and not like little fires everywhere where you need a glass of wine to have sex, which is toxic. Um, we could talk about that another time. So how do you feel about scheduling sex? Or has your perspective changed? I was going to say my perspective has definitely changed because, you know, a few months ago I said, what the fuck, what do you mean? Yeah. Fast forward to now where we're exhausted and mm-hmm. we're doing a lot better of prioritizing like our home, our boys and extracurricular activities right yeah our brain power is like split in so many places that like sex isn't as fluid natural spontaneous for us as it used to be it's been a while since we had a quickie in the laundry room yeah (laughs) it has been (laughs) so with that you know it's just natural your life is gonna change and you have to evolve with it Mm -hmm. and i think the me now kind of can see the benefit in doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say that, all right, Sunday at 8 o'clock. That's weekend, what I was going to say. I don't like the way that it, at least for us. It doesn't It doesn't sound, I think you can interpret it differently, differently, right? It doesn't have to be so rigid in terms of scheduling sex. Sunday, 8 o'clock, close off. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm not going to. I'm not going to kink shame or, you know, yuck someone's yum. That might work for some people. But. Listen, I'll only speak for myself. Mm-hmm. My best sexual experiences with you have been when you've been a um, a willing participant, right? <laughs> and the fact that you're not only are you mentally ready, but your body is ready. Yeah. Which you can say are connected, right? Once yeah. the mind is ready, the body's going to follow. Yeah. And So you feel like if it's so scheduled, it ain't going to be that way. It's going to feel like obligatory. And eventually maybe the body will get ready because you know you're having sex right Mm -hmm. but i don't want it to be a case of where you're not mentally there gotcha um so so, how would scheduling sex for us be like a thing that makes sense like how does it look like what does it look like i just think we know that the goal before we like lay down or whatever is to have sex Mm -hmm. how do we get to that place how do we get to that physical action but but so how will we schedule it then where's the schedule if we're saying Saturday, I mean Sunday, eight o'clock. We're having sex. What do we have to do in order? So you are scheduling it then. You just said that's not what you want to do. I'm confused. I'm saying that we're scheduling it, but it's just not like all right, eight o'clock. We're fucking. It's 
all right, eight o'clock. It's we're, where the we're intention having, is there. We're having foreplay. So, we're yes. talking. We're so, rubbing. So we're, one of the things that Kama said on their post was like, yes, it's important. You want to schedule this time with no distractions, but we also don't want to impose our expectations. So even if it's in the calendar, it doesn't mean it has to happen. But setting that intention kind of puts you in the space to like prioritize it that day so that you are mentally prepared to get into that space. How would you get mentally prepared to get in that space? <laughs> what? Oh, uh, I mean, I don't, how would I get mentally prepared? Yeah, babe, come on. I feel like I'm different because. You know, in terms of our relationship, how would we get mentally prepared okay, to be in that space? Okay, that's a better question. Um <laughs> Because well, you're like, just tell me and I'm there. <laughs> I think first thing is making sure that the boys are taken care of so that we don't have that outside distraction. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of like secluding ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. I was thinking like if your partner's out, like sexting throughout the day. Okay. And some people's sexting is weird, but it doesn't have to be like... Um, I can't wait for you to strap me up and tie me up tonight. Like sexting could be like more subtle. I think I speak for all men, yeah. especially the married ones, <laughs> that we aren't going to be fooled by sexting in 2024. What do you mean? Because there's been plenty of times where we've been sexting throughout the day and uh-huh. then I get home and it's like, uh, fuck all that shit I was talking about. <laughs> but it happens because, again, we still got to live in reality and sometimes things get in the way. But I think having the intention will probably make it more likely that you fulfill what you were saying in the nasty text. Yeah. <laughs> but that could be one of the ways you kind of mentally prepare. And again, sexting doesn't have to be so extreme. It could be simple words of affirmation. Um, another one of the examples that Kama said was like kind of scheduling physical touch, not sex, but like massages or like, you know, time to like be more intimate or vulnerable through conversation that could you know then lead to that kind of vulnerability or that intimacy speaking for us i feel like what's worked best and has a higher win percent than anything else when Mm -hmm. it comes to us having sex is conversation i know even recently there was like we'll lay down maybe we're like on social media a little bit and then it's like all right let's have sex and you're like no. That's not how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. But what has always worked for the most part is we disconnect from our phones and then we connect with each other just through conversation. Yeah. And then that almost nine out of 10 times leads to a sexual activity because you are connecting. Yeah. And it's connecting, not just like. Not physically, but like mentally, emotionally, things that are going on in your lives. You could relate. Like, why have we been so tired the past couple nights? And it's like. That connection of like we're on the same page could be sexy. Like it's like, damn, I love this man. He gets me. Yeah. Connecting through conversation is so important for us. It is a hundred percent. Um something that also scheduling sex, if you don't have the if you don't feel comfortable enough to just talk about sex, it's gonna be awkward as hell, it's gonna be weird. It's going to feel even invasive. Like, imagine you're in a relationship that talking about sex is weird. Like, you're not able to tell them, like, that position wasn't good or, 
I like that. Let's try this position instead. I want to say something. Oh, God. Because <laughs> I like to use our own examples. And I think it's it's healthy for people to know that. Like I'm scared because I don't at, know what you're going to say. <laughs> Go ahead. The other day, <laughs> we were about to have sex. And I was. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Fuck it. I'm going to say it. Uh, the other day, we were about to have sex. And I was rubbing on your clip. Oh, God. And I I thought I was doing a good job, and she asked me to switch it up. But then when I switched it up, she goes, no, 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 go back to what you were doing. I knew it. And This is so embarrassing. But imagine we didn't have that communication. Yeah. She would have just let me continue doing it bad, even though you prefer you preferred what I was doing originally, right? Yeah. So I think that that's a great example of having that communication skills to say, like, listen, we both have a common goal here. Let's have an amazing time while also being able to communicate there's no ego involved ego is out the door mm-hmm. when we're having sex the goal is for both of us to leave that situation like that's why mm-hmm. i put a ring on it that's why i'm spending the rest of my life with this person because we can communicate and yeah get to the nut and <laughs> i feel like for myself i'm like more of a sexual person that i a lot of women that i know um but communication still is so important in every relationship and every female that I talk to. And also, like, their partners kind of fulfilling the other expectations in the relationship, right? So, like, especially as parents, like, if your partner isn't pulling their weight with the kids or pulling their weight with the house or anything like that, like, you're not going to be attracted to them. Like, that's just logic because, again, sex isn't just your sexual organs it's like mental it's everything's there you have to connect through the heart which is why i think conversations for us especially you're out the house for 12 hours a day um we need that moment to connect before we can physically connect and then it's always better because i I do feel like sometimes we'll have those sex sessions where we didn't connect mentally we just have sex it feels great but the best sex is when you've had that moment to like come back to each other mentally um so yeah another what i was gonna say with scheduling sex for us like i do think saying for us sunday at eight it's not only not weird for us but it also really probably wouldn't work i think for us scheduling sex would be like day to day like if we're like babe it's been a couple of days tonight let's try so it's technically scheduled because we planned it in advance but we're also putting that intention of like deciding what you're going to prioritize in your day so you aren't as exhausted by the time you get home, you know? Because Travis does his best that even though he's out 12 hours a day, me being pregnant is bathing river has been uncomfortable. So he does river's bath times and I always cook. So he tries to clean um, or he does mostly clean in evenings. But if I know that I'm trying to prioritize sex that night, Maybe I'm going to cook something that requires less cleaning or I'm going to cook a little earlier so that the dishes are mostly done. Like, Or oh, let's have a takeout night. Let's have a takeout night. Like we could plan them because we're like, you know what? I don't want you to have to be losing energy cooking and I don't want to lose energy doing dishes. And if we have takeout, now we have so much more time and energy to prioritize, prioritize sex tonight. I feel like I just saw like a new commercial for like Domino's. Like. <laughs> Get a call me. Get a pizza. Get some pie. There's something there. Like <laughs> there's something there. Call us. 
<laughs> but yeah, so I think that's what scheduling sex is like for us and what will work for us. Like kind of just on a day to day be like, what's up for tonight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprisingly here for it. Yeah. Um, I was going to bring up something that they posted about things to talk about. Um, when you're scheduling sex too, is like a perfect opportunity to be like, I want to try mm. this. So it's like a good time to introduce something new to the bedroom. And it's like the perfect conversation, like the perfect opportunity to say something that's usually uncomfortable to say. Cause if you're already scheduling it, then you could be like, well, also I want you to put your thumb in my butt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rubbing off on her. I'm so nasty. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and sometimes I know I've spoken to plenty of people who have like a harder time connecting to their sexual drive. Right. Like they don't feel that like urge um, or even during foreplay. Like it doesn't get to that point. So one of the suggestions they talk about is sensory deprivation so like blindfolding yourself so that or keeping your eyes closed so that way you don't see anything. So eliminating that sensory input, it allows you to feel better, smell better. Um, or for some people too, like complete silence. I don't like silence. I like to talk. But maybe that's something like if you force like don't talk. Don't say anything. Like, let me just feel this moment. So, like, introducing sensory deprivation into your foreplay could be something that could help increase your desire. I'm here for it. Are we <laughs> scheduling today or what? Um. Yeah, let's do it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, f- I was already thinking, like, oh, we're probably finally going to have sex tonight. And by finally, it wasn't that long ago. It's like three days. Three days. But for us, that's like a lot. And not not is that a lot. Because there's been plenty of times when we've gone three days. We're about to go six weeks. Yeah, when we have the baby. But I feel like <laughs> we don't go three days consistently. Like it's not every four days sex. That's not usually what our sex life is. It happens. But I feel like this pregnancy, the past several months, because of like work and kids and life, and just pure exhaustion, it's become that. Like, that's kind of become our norm. Yeah. And it's a little awkward, but. It is awkward, but it's also a reminder that we can do better mm-hmm. in the terms of, you know, all right, how do we get to a place where we're not exhausted when we finally lay down? Mm-hmm. So that means we're. Pr- or make time for those laundry room quickies. Again. <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, I do want to tell people about something that we're going to be adding to the show. Um, on our website, we still like each other.com. Mm-hmm. There is a contact page that is not new. You could always um, submit any oh, so y'all is can relate. Contact page? Yeah. Oh, okay. You can always submit any oh, so y'all can relate. Those will be coming back, hopefully, if you guys submit some mm-hmm. um, forms. But there's a new section there. There is a submit video or audio. Okay. So, with that, so I just want to say with that, the vi- the audio part isn't available on ios for some reason but i think it is on like your laptop but you could always wait but isn't ios on your laptop i'm confused not everyone has a macbook 
But so if I have a MacBook, I can't do it on my MacBook? No, you could do it on your iOS isn't on MacBook. That's like iPads and iPhones. Oh, okay, okay. So with that being said, if Sorry, you're I using... Need a clarification from the IT husband. Yeah. <laughs> with that being said, if you still just want to submit something that's audio, just submit a video that's not showing your face, like point to the wall. Yeah, yeah. Or something. So you can submit videos and audio. That's what I wanted to say. Gotcha. Which if you show your face will assume that you want to be on. If you don't show your face, I'll just play the audio. So it can be... Oh, a, wait. So we're going to show the video? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was always just audio. Yeah. So if it's video, we'll show your face on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also just still f- um, submit forms with text if you want to tell us a story or ask for advice. Yeah. If you want to leave a comment about something. If you want us to just read it, you don't want your voice, just type it out as a... Also, y'all can relate. Because... Is one of my pep. I'm. Not, I don't even like voice notes. Like, if my <laughs> friends are texting me and they send me a voice note, they know I'm not gonna listen for a while. Like, I, I'm just not a voice note person. I like to read the text. So, if you want us to share your story or respond, give you advice, but you don't want to share your voice, so then type it out yeah. for us. And with something we're trying out, I don't know how it's gonna work. Yeah. It, and it, even if you don't need advice, you just want to say something quick. I don't mind sharing that. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how it or, goes. Or you know what? Like even just questions, like things that happen in pop culture and the media. Like how do we feel about X, X Y, and Z? Z? And yeah. that could be things we use. Like we'll use your audio um, and we'll say, and then we'll answer it. We'll answer your questions. As you can see, we're, we're freestyling this. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying to figure out how it will work, but we're trying to figure out a way to involve the listeners more into the show. Um yeah. So, my love. Daddy. After a few months, I get to ask you again. <laughs> yeah. Do you still like me? I do still like you. Do you want to ask me? Do you still like me? I do. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say was, I still very much like you. I very much love you. Um, But I know that it's going to take a lot of work on both our ends. To make sure this doesn't become a burden or make, I don't want to feel jealous of the podcast again. <laughs> You're the only woman for me. <laughs> so yeah, but I do still like you. I love you. I love you more, baby. Peace, y'all. Peace. <laughs>